sunflower seed recall ends up affecting dozens of retailers and hundreds of brands. How can companies escape the dreaded multiplier effect? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. That massive recall that occurred in May of 2016 was caused by the presence of the bacteria known as Listeria. The resulting infection can cause fever, muscle aches, nausea, stomach pains, and even more serious complications for pregnant women and the elderly. We saw how just one tainted product can have a cascading effect through all of the brands in which it can be found. But this was hardly an isolated incident. We're seeing a greater number of recalls these days, and not just for food products. Tighter regulations and a growing sensitivity to allergens are among the complicating factors. Today, we'll find out what companies should be doing to prevent recalls and deal with them when they happen in my conversation with Kevin Pollack, Vice President of Recall with Stericycle Expert Solutions. He'll give us some advice on setting up an effective recall program at a time when brand reputation is subject to almost instantaneous reversal. Most importantly, of course, it's a vital issue of public health. So here is my conversation with Kevin Pollack. Kevin Pollack, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Explain to me what happened with this latest sunflower seed recall. Well, I think the, the latest sunflower seed recall is a, a prime example of what we call the multiplier effect. Uh, you have one manufacturer whose product gets used across the supply chain in multiple retailers and multiple other manufacturers' product. And when they had an issue in their factory in uh, northwest Minnesota over the course of several months in February, March, and April, uh, it had a cascading effect through the supply chain across multiple retailers and other manufacturers. So this was a domestic situation purely? As of now, it's a domestic situation with a one plant in Minnesota. So we have not seen the product in international situation yet, but we have seen listeria across the U.S., although no reported cases of sickness, but it has tested positive. So the manufacturer has issued the recall in order to ensure that they're taking safety seriously. So the problem was listeria. Would you please explain what is listeria? Listeria is an infection that can affect the gastrointestinal tract, and it can cause short-term problems such as high fever, abdominal pain, and diarrhea, also cause headaches, stiffness, and nausea. It can be particularly dangerous for pregnant women, the elderly, or children, uh, or anybody who has a weak immune system. Some infections of listeria can cause death. And the CDC estimates there's between 1,600 illnesses and about 260 deaths per year due to listeria. How does it get into the content of a food material such as sunflower seeds? 
it typically can get into a food-based product via the manufacturing process. So in many cases, it can be some type of the production machinery can be contaminated and it can get in or be infected with listeria. And so that can, the other interesting thing we see is it is a infection that can also resist the cold. So we've seen listeria in frozen or ice cream type products. We've also seen it in fresh products or in packaged products such as sun, sunflower seeds. So the producer of the, of the sunflower seeds, when it was discovered, it had they put out a recall. And as you say, with regard to the multiplier effect, how large a universe of manufacturers did that actually impact? I mean, how many other companies had to recall products uh, as a result? The recall expanded and spread throughout the supply chain. We've seen now nationwide recalls, and it's by dozens of retailers, and more than 100 different brands or manufacturers have been affected. And, and so that's why we call it the multiplier effect, is one manufacturer whose product is used across other products being produced can affect a very large sphere within the supply chain, so it does expand quite quickly. Is this type of a situation, this type of... Um infection or whatever you want to call it with listeria in a food like sunflower seeds, is this a fairly common event? We do see bacterial contamination either via listeria, salmonella, or E. coli be one of the leading uh, reasons for food-based recalls over time. So as far as recalls are concerned, it is a fairly common reason as to why you'd see a product being recalled. And it's typically listeria, E. coli, salmonella are the most likely types of issues that could happen. Uh, again, not, nothing, nothing new or original about this, but is it the fact that we've seen more food recall stories in the headlines recently? I think it's, it's a couple of things. We have seen more food recall stories in the headlines, and I think that is due to FDA really stepping up and USDA stepping up, trying to trace and find these problems. We've seen testing continue to improve, and so we're, we're finding more issues, whereas before they may have gone unnoticed. And then as the supply chain becomes more interconnected, uh, both domestically and globally, you see these events spread out much more widely via the multiplier effect than you would have previously because one single ingredient manufacturer uh, has their product across multiple different retailers or manufacturers. And we've seen it happen with cumin spice. We've seen it happen with peanuts in the past. We've seen it happen in frozen foods. There's a number of different areas where we've seen that multiplier effect really come into play with food. So you think some of this is, in fact, a function of the growing complexity of food supply chains? It do. I think it's, it's a, a fact of the, the greater interconnectedness of supply chains, where you've got, in many cases, larger in growers or ingredient manufacturers, and those products are being used across a much wider swath of, of food products than would have previously been used, say, 10 or 15 years ago. And that's consolidation of the supply chain that we see happening not just in food but across multiple sectors globally. At the same time, are we also seeing a greater sensitivity to food allergies and, and the like among the public? That seems to be in the headlines more recently as well. Undeclared allergens are another key reason for recalls. So in many cases, you can find because of those sensitivities to allergies being more widely known these days, you'll see many recalls declared because it may not be an actual bacterial infection, but let's say uh, peanuts is a big one that we see quite a bit. Uh, potentially that the uh, manufacturing equipment may not have been cleaned and there may be trace amounts of peanuts in a particular product and it's not a declared ingredient. And that obviously can, can cause problems for those with allergies. So undeclared allergens are becoming another large uh, reason to drive food recalls. In fact, between contamination 
and undeclared allergens are typically the two largest reasons why we see a food recall. And I think they get a lot of notice these days as people are paying a lot of attention to what they eat more so than, than maybe we did 10, 15 years ago. Meanwhile, what's going on in the regulatory environment? Are we seeing new regulations come down the pike on this? Not immediately. We did see new regulations with FISMA, or the Food Safety Modernization Act, back in, in January of 2011, which was signed into law. Um, and that did give the FDA the ability to mandate a food recall. And there was also a big focus on trying to track problems and prevent them in the, the supply chain versus trying to just contain them after they'd happened. So we've seen is that that law has become more and more into effect, and, and the regulatory agencies are, are getting more adept at understanding how they should, should apply the, the standard. We are seeing greater vigilance from the FDA uh, as it relates to application of food safety, and that goes along with FISMA, the Food Safety Modernization Act. What is the price of a mistake these days? Is there a price tag being put on the cost of individual or, or just in aggregate in a, over a year's period of time? I mean, you folks track this in a very diligent way. Have you come up with a money figure that would help to quantify the impact of food safety recalls? We don't have a specific figure that we would say cost X. But what we say is there are four or five factors that, that really affect manufacturers and can drive significant costs when they face a recall. The one that folks uh, are usually aware of is the cost of actually managing the recall, which can be significant, but typically we find that to be the least costly of the, the various impacts. The next one that can come up is the cost of litigation or legal exposure, if there are any sicknesses or other issues that, that need to be dealt with as a result of that food recall. And then more importantly, we find the biggest ones for most companies are the damage to the brand. And when you have a brand that is now seen in a, a lesser light, if the recall is not handled well, that can lead to lower sales. It can lead to ongoing challenges that, that are going to affect that, that company and, and their ability to sell the product. And then lastly, there's cost to actually remedy the situation in many cases within the manufacturing plant to figure out what's happened and how do they, they address that problem. And then also managing the logistics of the supply chain. How do they pull back anything that, that was affected by the recall and how quickly can they get new product that doesn't have the issue back into the supply chain so they can get back up and, and have that product being sold in retailers. So a number of different dynamics there that can be very, very costly if they're not handled well. And we've seen some manufacturers be driven out of business because the, the recall wasn't handled well. We've seen others that have handled it quite well, and they've been able to rebound quite quickly. So uh, it's really a wide uh, range of, of what can happen, but there are definitely costs, and the costs go up if you're, you're not prepared and, and able to handle the recall effectively. Interesting thing what you said about the brand, because even if it is fixed in a fairly rapid way, sometimes that name just sticks with people for years. They go back and say, oh, yeah, I remember the problem with brand A or B or something, and it just sticks in people's minds for some reason. So I guess that's a huge concern on the part of brand manufacturers. It can be, but a lot of times we actually see a bit of the opposite, which is the public can be very forgiving if handled well. There are a number of very large brands that have had recalls that actually their brand loyalty increased because of the way they handled it. And it's typically by being very forthright and transparent, by admitting that there was an issue, being very thoughtful of making sure we, you get holistically the issue covered so that you don't have to come back two or three times and announce additional recalls. And then by very quickly removing that product from service and from sale, demonstrating what's been done to fix it, and then bringing new and good product back onto the market. And by doing it very effectively, very safely, and very quickly, you will be seen as a, a company who takes safety seriously. 
and can manage through these situations effectively. The public generally is willing to forgive if there's one mistake and the mistake is, is handled very, very well. But if it's seen or there's a perception that it's multiple mistakes or that the company isn't taking that mistake seriously is where you'll see significant and ongoing brand damage happen. Okay, so let's start talking about some best practices here in detail. What would be the first thing that a company should do when news of or the necessity of a recall presents itself? If I could, I actually say before the recall even presents itself, companies should be asking, do I have a recall plan in place? Do I know if I have a recall, what I will do? Because when we look at it and we talk to, to companies, it's not if, but it's when the recall will happen. You hope it won't happen for 10 years, but at some point, the company is likely going to be facing this, this challenge. And so the first key is preparation. Make sure there is a documented plan. Uh, make sure you've tested that plan and that everybody knows what to do when, when that recall starts. From there, you go into if the recall is actually coming, we realize we've got an issue and we need to start addressing that. There's going to be a discussion of how do we notify the public. And that's multifaceted. It's working with the agency, which in case of food is going to be FDA or USDA, to let them know that there's an issue and discussing with them what class the event will be, one, two, or three, based on the seriousness of the issue, when you're going to notify, and then the question is how you're going to notify. Is it, a, is it a press release? Is it a notice on your website? Is it social media? Can you directly touch any of the customers? Do you, you also need to notify your, your supply chain, your wholesalers or your distributors? And then they, in turn, may notify their customers. And so you start first with notification. Uh, after you've realized you have an issue. Let me back you up there on the recall plan for a moment. You say testing the plan. How do you go about testing a plan? We actually do a number of what we call mock recalls with clients and with manufacturers where we'll actually bring in a, it's a simulated scenario of XYZ company and you found out you have this issue. And we'll take them step by step as new information or pieces come out as they're gathering and trying to understand the problem they may be facing. And we'll gather the various team members who would be involved in a room and ensure they know as we walk through the steps what they would need to do and what actions they would take. And that helps plan, just like you would game plan a, any type of strategy or, or event. Uh, we do a very similar thing with a recall to make sure each team member knows what they would do and in what order it happens. And then we'll also tweak or adjust the plan if we find there's parts of it that are out of date to ensure that we've got all the right team members, all the right departments, and all the right steps happening in the right order. And that way, in the midst of the crisis, the, each team member within the company and the company itself doesn't have to figure it out as they go. They've already got a documented procedure that they've tested and they know it works. Organizationally, who do you recommend within an organization, within a company or a manufacturer, be responsible for overseeing this whole thing from the beginning, developing the recall plan, and then executing it in the event of an actual recall? It depends largely on the size of the company. If you're, you're dealing with a mid-size or larger company, it's likely going to be the director of quality or compliance or vice president of quality or compliance that may own it or their department may own it. In smaller companies, it may be the chief of operations or even the owner. And in larger companies, it may also involve consumer affairs or their legal counsel. But typically, it's going to be regulatory quality compliance that's going to be involved in, in really owning or leading the plan. And then they're going to involve other aspects of the organization because obviously it's going to touch finance, it's going to touch sales, it's going to touch supply chain. And so it is truly a cross-functional issue that has to be dealt with, but that one group is typically the one that owns it. And then you have individuals within each of those disciplines who have already been tasked to respond according to the recall plan, right? The, the, those individuals have been pre-selected. 
You do, and that's part of doing the mock recall is you've, you've identified who those individuals are. They've actually sat in on the simulation and understand what steps they need to take. So potentially the head of sales who wouldn't be thinking about a recall understands how do I notify my, my sales team and how do they notify their customers. And the supply chain team is thinking about their distribution channels and what would they need to do to bring product that's still in the distribution centers back or how do they quarantine the product. So you do have those multifunctional groups there and they've been previously tapped and identified and they've actually gone through the exercise and been part of doing the plan in advance so that they're bought in and understand the steps that will need to occur when the recall happens. Specifically within the supply chain discipline, what are the biggest challenges that exist there in terms of planning for and then managing recalls? There's typically a a couple that are really important. First is being able to track what's affected within the supply chain and knowing where it is. So as the supply chain team is trying to understand it is, what is the potential lots, scope, manufacturing dates, what plants might be at risk? Is it a single plant? Is it multiple plants? Was it one line? Was it multiple lines? And then understanding how that translates into what product was distributed where. And and when you're doing that, you want to err on the side of caution. If you can't be absolutely sure, it's better to take the recall and, and just say it's a larger part so you don't have to go back and, and come back to the public and say, well, we've actually found more of an issue and it's, it's gotten bigger because that erodes confidence. Then once that's determined, supply chain is really going to be tasked with where did that product go? Is it still in DCs? Has it gotten out to the end customer? Is it on retail shelves? Trying to determine where is it because that will determine who and how you notify that they potentially have recalled or affected product either in their distribution center or on the retail shelves. The other key that supply chain, uh, and then it starts to get into sales as well, need to be very concerned about is they want to get that, that recalled product cleared from the retailer as quickly as possible. And many times we'll go in and actually send folks in to help clear those shelves. And that does two things. It ensures that the product doesn't get sold and increases safety for the consumer base. But it also allows, as as soon as the manufacturer can certify to the retailer that all of the affected or recalled product has been quarantined and is no longer in their system, it allows the retailer to turn the sale of that SKU back on, which obviously will at least start to mitigate the damage from the lost sales because they now know they've pulled all the affected and recalled product out and whatever is still left in the system is in fact still good and saleable. And that allows their, their loyal customers to continue buying that product and knowing that it's safe. How would you rate the level of awareness of companies today with regard to the importance of maintaining a strong recall plan and just being aware of the risks that are out there if they fail to do so? I think it's, it's very much hit or miss. I think some of the larger companies are aware or, or companies that have gone through a recall have certainly become aware and, and developed the processes. But I think for the vast majority out there, it's something that they don't often think about. It's not core to their day-to-day business of, of manufacturing and selling products. And so we do see with a lot of companies, until we've talked to them where they've realized the risk, it's kind of something that's out of sight, out of mind for them. And it's not intentional. It's not that they they wouldn't, if they had a recall, want to do all the right things. It's just not something they think about day in and day out. Looking ahead, what do you think are the biggest challenges facing food manufacturers in terms of maintaining the integrity of their food supply chain and dealing with recalls just coming up in the years ahead? Do you have any sense of that? I think it's really around two major factors. It's traceability. So them being able to trace that product of what supplier was the ingredient manufacturer or the grower 
and then what products does that put in and where did it go? So that's a very complex task to be able to trace that all the way through. And then the other one is, I think there's a greater risk of the multiplier effect as supply chains become more interconnected. Whereas previously, a company may have used five growers, they may, in today's interconnected environment, be down to two because they're typically trying to find larger, more strategic partners they can work with because it makes it easier to manage. And, and that's a good thing in general, but when there is an issue, it, it increases the risk because you've now got that product across multiple different brands, product lines, retailers. And so that's where we see the significance of the sunflower seed recall happening. And so I think that's likely to continue to happen on a more frequent basis. And that's not for anybody having a lack of quality. It's just due to the nature of interconnected supply chains and supplier relationships becoming larger and more strategic in most most ways that companies are interacting these days. Well, it seems like a pretty sure bet that we're going to continue to see recall situations. But it's good that we have some advice from you here, Kevin Pollack, on how companies can deal with the inevitable future and perhaps minimize or in some cases just even stave off the possibility of such recalls happening. So I want to thank you so much, uh, Kevin Pollack of Stericycle, Expert Solutions, for being with us today. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And uh, we hope companies will be more aware of the potential risk out there. And our message is always prepare in advance because it's not if, it's, it's when it's going to happen. And if you're prepared, you can really manage it well and, and work through the risk. And it will not be a long-term detriment to the business. So we hope companies will learn and, and really look to be proactive on this and be aware that this is a risk across the supply chain. That was my conversation with Kevin Pollack of Stericycle Expert Solutions, talking about how companies can prevent and deal with product recalls. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.